Well, Grace, I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and then do this. If you go back just a little while, a uh, little ways to 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to be coming back to 1 Corinthians 7 just for a little bit, but we're going to be in a series over the next little bit, uh, Ephesians 4 through 6. And I just want to say this right at the very beginning this is not a marriage series. So if you thought you're gonna be able to check out because you're widowed, single, uh, divorced, and like, ah, I don't have to worry about this, guess what? Ephesians 4 through 6 has a lot to say about really any relationship. In fact, this whole, uh, this whole thing starts in Ephesians chapter four when the apostle Paul says, hey, listen, you are different. You're walking, uh, you have been changed, and so you should walk differently than everybody else. And then he looks at all kinds of relationships from marriage to uh, parents and kids, kids to parents. He even talks about we're even going to be talking about what it looks like, our relationships at work. We're going to be talking about friendships and all of that. We're going to see what the Word of God says. So here's the deal. Anytime I do a series like this, I jump in, and there's always going to be somebody that comes up to me like, oh, man, I just wish you'd just preach the gospel. If you just stick to preaching the gospel, that'd be good. I'm going to tell you right now. If the gospel does not impact every aspect of your life, including your relationships, you've bought into a false gospel. Because Christ wants to have ownership and lordship over everything, including relationships, which is why the word of God has so much to say, not just about marriage, but about friendships. But today we're going to talk, we're, I'm going to be talking to everybody. So real, real, real quick, I'm going to do a poll. I want to know who I'm talking to today. How many of you are single? Let me see your hands. You're not married. Unmarried. If you're unmarried, okay. All right. We got we several here. Uh, how many of you, uh, how, how many of you are married? Let me see. Okay. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna do this. How many of you have been married for less than a year? Let me see your hands. Anybody here? All right, yes, 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 yes. Congratulations, guys. Woo, that is good. Praise God. How, uh, how many of you have, if you've been married 50 years or more, I want you to stand up. If you've been married over 50 years, I want you to stand up. Anybody here? All right, all right. This is great. This is great. How, how many years have you been married? 50? Right, I feel, okay, you hit it. How many, how many years? 52. Okay, real quick, like if you need marriage advice, don't come to me, go to them. Like they're doing something right. And we, we in all seriousness, we, we, honor, we honor that commitment. And, and here's what I know. If you're married 50 years, 52 years, it does not come without difficulty. You know, it's, it's amazing it's amazing how quickly that romantic Disney aspect to marriage wears off after you say, I do. <laughs> you know what happened to me? I'm gonna just tell you this is a little irritation. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna keep it real. I'm looking around, with Lori here? Okay, so. <laughs> so it, it's just, this is just a simple little thing. It's how we wake up in the morning. When I set my alarm, here's what it looks like. Guys, throw up, throw up the slide. Is it, is it working? Yeah, there we go. Here's how Lori sets her alarm. <laughs> See, I thought, I thought that when I would ask Lori, what, uh, what time are you setting your alarm for? And she said, actually, I, I, I would ask her, hey, what time are you getting up? She would say, for example, here, 8.15. And I thought that meant 8.15. But what I found is like now, you know, she's a teacher and so she gets up, gets up at 
5.30, 5.45, and literally what that means is that's when her alarm starts going off. I might be getting up at 6.15 and I'll still be, be here. Now, now, listen, unless you think I'm just picking on my wife, guess what? My wife found out that I can be irritating as well. It has everything to do with how I wake up. Like literally how I wake up. I am one of those annoying people who jumps out of bed singing. <laughs> I'm very, very, very happy in the morning. It's not that my wife is unhappy. She's like, I just need my coffee first. Anybody get what, anybody agree with, you, you, you see what I'm saying? And so what, what we learned early on is like, there can be these little irritations, these little aspects to, to, to marriage. Like, okay, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the fun and the excitement, you know, that, that, that you start. But then when you start you know, normalizing, like, oh yeah, there's some things we gotta work through. And then the reality is, if you've been married 50 or 52 years, what you found is that, Irritations are just irritations. In fact, marriage is, is it's, it's not that, that really problems start in marriage. I've, I've done enough marriage counseling to know this. No, actually marriage revolve, just, just reveals the problems we as individuals have. They just, they come out. So marriage, marriage problems are not just marriage problems. A lot of times they're individual problems that manifest themselves in, in different ways. And so we're gonna be talking, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna set the stage. And so I am gonna talk uh, about marriage here at the, at the very beginning uh, today, but we're not gonna start there. In fact, here in a couple of weeks, I, I'm gonna go ahead and give warning because I know some of you have your kids in the service, which I love having our kids in the service. But in a couple of weeks, I'm just, just letting you know, because... Man, Paul hits some pretty significant things. He's talking about relationship, including sexual sin. And we're gonna be talking about this in a couple of weeks and I'm not gonna be graphic or anything like that. But, but at the same time, I don't want to dance around what, what the word of God hits directly. And so I'm gonna have to hit some of it directly. And I just wanna let you as parents know that that's coming up. Uh, again, I, I trust your judgment as parents, but, but I, I want us to dig into the word to see how, how Christ wants to be Lord over every aspect of our lives. Now, every November, every December, um, our family, it's just like a tradition thing around the holidays, we do puzzles. Any of you like doing jigsaw puzzles, okay? So, so here, actually, let's set this down here. I just brought this up as, as an example. So, so for instance, I'm, I'm just using this. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get a puzzle, and so what do you do? You know, you take it out, and I'm not gonna do this because I don't wanna clean, have to clean it up, but you dump all of the, all of the puzzle pieces on, on the table, and, and what's the first thing that you do? Oh, I'm, I'm hearing two different things. Some people are saying you flip the puzzle pieces over and other people are saying, well, no, you immediately go to, to going around the edges. Like if you start in the middle, there's something wrong with you. You gotta start around the edge. <laughs> but, but no, I, actually, actually, both those things, you know, you're gonna do at the beginning, but the first thing that you're gonna do is you're gonna set up the picture so you know what you're building toward. And, and, and what, what I wanna do in, in this series is I want us to, to set up a picture to see what we're building for when we're talking about relationships, friendships, marriage, uh, how, how to, you know, dating uh, relationships between parents and kids and that sort of thing. I wanna give us a picture because if we have the wrong picture, none of these puzzle pieces, when we start digging through this, they're not gonna make a lot of sense if, if, if this is different in the picture. And so what I, wanna, what, what I want us to look at, we're going to lay the foundation, and I'm going to start in the middle of Ephesians uh, to, to make this point. 
Because next week, we're going to start with the beginning of Ephesians 4. We're going to just teach straight through Ephesians 4, uh, through uh, the first part of Ephesians 6. But, I, but, but to lay the foundation, I want to I go ahead and look at marriage today, because I think and that's the first thing we think of when we think of, of relationships. And the Apostle Paul, he's talking to husbands and wives, and he's talked about, you know, he's used the, you know, discussed their, their interaction with each other, talked about love, sacrificial love, respect, submission, those, those big words that we're going to be breaking down and, and, and exploring over the next, over the next few weeks. But, but then he says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, and he, he's quoting, he's quoting Genesis chapter two, uh, ver verse 24, when, when he says in verse 31, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. It's, it's talking about marriage. It, this is actually coming from G Genesis two. It's where God ordains and officiates the very first marriage. He's quoting, he's quoting the, at the very end the summary of this. And then he says this in verse 32. He's, he's offering commentary on, on, from Genesis. And he says, this mystery is profound. What mystery? Marriage. Marriage, this whole, this whole thing of marriage, it's profound. And I'm saying that it, marriage, refers to Christ and the church. Now, if you, if you read, and we're going to be reading through Ephesians chapter 5, what you're going to find before, before you get to these verses is that he refers to Christ as the bridegroom, and he refers to the church as the bride. Now, I want you to hear something as we jump in this morning. First and foremost, before, before it means anything else, I want you to get my big point. Marriage is a gospel-centered, holy symbol. It's a gospel-centered holy symbol, and it was given not just so we could enjoy marriage, which we should enjoy marriage. Relationships aren't given to us just so we can appreciate them or anything like that. No, marriage is a gospel-centered holy symbol that is symbolizing Christ's love for and his commitment to his bride, the church, which is you and I. You and I, listen, if if you have been saved from your sins, if you, as we've been singing this morning, have trusted that the blood that Jesus Christ uh, shed for, for you and I on the cross when he hung on the cross, if, if you are believing in Christ, what this means is that you are part of his bride, the church. You've been saved. You belong to him. We are the church. Like, we don't go to church, even though I get, we call this a church building. No, we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And can I tell you, Christ is committed to his bride. And so a lot of times, like for instance, when we see this cross that's hanging on the wall behind me, by the way, there's nothing special about that cross. That is not the cross that Jesus died on. Like we did not, like that has not been handed down generation after generation. That is a symbol, but, but for many of us, that's, that's, a, that's a holy symbol. I mean, that, that matters. When we, when we take communion, when we come forward and we take the cup and we take the bread, that, it's not just this this thing that we do because it's some ritual we got to do. No, it, it matters because of what it symbolizes. The cross symbolizes what Christ did for us so that we could be saved. And listen to me, if you are here and, and you're under the sound of my voice and, and you're not a believer, first of all, I love the fact that, that you're here. But I want you to understand that, that my, my concern first and foremost for all of us is that we understand what Christ has done that we have submitted ourselves to him, that we have experienced a life that comes from, the, from trusting in him. It's, it's the gospel. But, but, but while the cross for us can be a symbol of things, I wonder how often we have stopped to consider that 
marriage. In fact, let me tell you this. The only place in scripture that we're given anything to symbolize Christ's love for his church, it's marriage. Our marriage as believers are either testifying to the gospel or somehow we're letting that light be covered up. And it gives a weight and a significance to the, what we call holy matrimony. The reason we call it holy matrimony is not just because we're doing this before God, it's because it's a holy, sacred, gospel-centered symbol. Now, there are some implications that come from this. In fact, I want you to follow along and t- take a few notes. First of all, what this means, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna break apart a few myths. Marriage is not the ultimate relationship. And when I say that marriage is not the ultimate relationship, that is in no way devaluing marriage. I'm very thankful that God has, God has, has allowed me to, to, to be married to Lori. She's been good for me, I can tell you right now, that's good. But no, it's, it's not the ultimate relationship. In fact, as we look at the relationship between, between moms and dads and kids or, or grandparents and grandkids, family is not the ultimate relationship. It's just not. And, 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 and again, that does not devalue family. No, it, it begins, it starts with our relationship with Christ. Pastor Matt, uh, some guy came up to him a little while ago and uh, he asked me, he said, hey, uh, Matt, you think there's going to be candy in heaven? He's like, I don't, I don't know. It's probably going to be sugar-free because I don't think there's going to be cavities in heaven. He's like, I don't know though. Like, well, do you think there's going to be steak in heaven? And I was like, I, I don't know. He said, maybe, probably not. He said, at least as we know, because there's not going to be death in heaven. He's like, yeah, pro- probably not. The guy's like, are you kidding me? He goes, do you think there's going to be sex in heaven? And Matt, Matt took, takes him to, to Matthew uh, chapter 22, and he read in verse 30, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but they're like angels in heaven. The guy's like, are you kidding me? My favorite three things aren't even going to be in heaven? <laughs> and like he was being facetious and it was kind of, kind of a joke, but we kind of get this because we can't imagine a life where marriage or family is not the ultimate relationship. But here's what I want us to understand. These relationships are given to us to enjoy they're, they're, they're significant, but they point to the ultimate, the ultimate reality. In fact, Jesus, and, uh, Jesus was, was preaching one day, and, and some people came up to him and said, hey, your, your, your mothers and brothers are here, and they, they're wanting to see you. And, and he, 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 he taught, the person that said this, he responds to this, Mark 12, 49. He said, he said actually, he said, these, and he points to all his disciples. He said, these, these are my brothers and sisters and, and mother if, if they obey the, the word of God. He actually pointed to the fact that there's an eternal family before there's a temporary family. In fact, he got, Jesus got interrupted one time. It's the weirdest interruption. Uh, he, he, was, he was speaking, and like this is in the Bible. So Luke eleven twenty seven. a woman in the, in, the, in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. I'm gonna tell you, like if you yell that one time where I'm preaching, I will say, sit down, I will rebuke you. Don't try that. And Jesus rebuked, rebu- he didn't rebuke her directly, but he spoke against what she said when he said, no, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He, he draws a, he, he, he draws a, marked contrast between what we think are the ultimate relationships and, and, and what, what he 
points out is that, man, whether we're single, married, whatever our status happens to be, our ultimate relationship, it, it begins with Christ and marriage and family and friends. Listen, they are God's greatest gifts. They're so very important, even when you look at God's created order. But they were never intended to be our ultimate relationship. According to Scripture, the ultimate relationship doesn't come from procreation. It comes from regeneration, from being born again, from being transformed. And so, so if marriage isn't the ultimate relationship, we're going to build on this. The, the, the next thing that we have to see is this. Marriage is not the measure of a significant life. You're like, man, he must not like marriage. Like, I need to talk to his wife. Like, is there something wrong? No, no, no. I, I just want us to understand this as we're talking about relationships. We have to have a foundation from which we work from. Because, again, if we have the wrong picture... We're actually going to be building towards something that, that isn't biblical. And I want us to understand what the word of God says about this. Listen, I don't care if it's Jerry Maguire who says it or if it's Michael Scott who says it. You can't say, you complete me. Like that, is, that does not work because the only one who completes is not, is not another person. It's, it's, it's Christ. Like we, we weren't intended to bear the weight of completing someone else. Because I think a lot of times we bought into this, this myth that, that it's only if, if I'm married or it's only if I, if I, if I have kids or, or if I have this that, that I have significance. It's only, it's only this that matters. This is going to be the most fulfilling part. But I'm going to tell you right now, the fact that Lori said yes after I asked her three times to marry me, <laughs> like that is not what gives me true significance. That, that does not define me. No, we're not incomplete based on what our relational status ha ha happens to be here. We're incomplete when we don't have this relationship with Christ. That's where it begins. Like how uh, Pastor J.D. Greer put it. He said, he said, a life that does not produce biological offspring is not a failed life. A life that does not live for and make disciples of Jesus Christ is a failed life. No, it's, it's Christ who completes. And this is where we go over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, this is Paul. He's writing to church, actually. Uh, it's a very gifted, talented church. It's a, it's a very diverse church. Demographics are probably similar to what we have here. It's made up of singles, married, divorced, whatever the case happens to be, because he addresses all of these issues. And by the way, here in 1 Corinthians 7, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I would challenge you if you are married, single, whatever your status happens to be, man, dig into this because there is some great stuff here. But, but, but what Paul is writing, he wants, he, apparently they have written to him asking about, you know, what's the, what's the importance of marriage in a Christian's life? What should the status be? You know, what, what if I'm single? Do, should I get married? Should I not be married? They've, they're even, apparently, based on what we're gonna, you read in 1 Corinthians 7, asking, should, should, I, should I be single? Like, should I get divorced to, to be a Christian? He's like, no, no. I mean, he writes back to them. And in fact, in verse 7 of chapter 7, he says, man, I wish that, that, all were as myself, as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And so let me pause before we keep reading. Um, do you know what Paul's status was? Paul was single. And by the way, I just, I'm going to pause here. All right. Um, it's interesting that the founder of our faith and its greatest theologian were both single all their entire life. And so for those of us to say that the, the, only, the only life that matters is the life uh, of a person who's married, that is absolutely not true. It's, a, it's absolutely not true. 
He's, he's single. And, and I'm going to pause here. As if, and listen, you don't have to amen me if you're single. Like, maybe you'll disagree with me. But I think there are times that singles get a raw deal in the church. Dang, there we go. There we go. We're good. No, I, I do. I, I, I actually do. It, it, we, can, we can actually give this impression like marriage is the only thing that really matters. And we either, we either have these demographics that, that excludes or we act as if the only way you're really going to have significance is if I set you up with somebody. Can we just stop? I think it's kind of weird. Like there was a, a guy, uh, he got so tired of these little old ladies. Like, they, like he'd, every time he'd go to a wedding, they'd come up to him and go like, don't worry, you're next. And he got sick and tired of them saying that to him. And he's like, but I mean, how do you, how do you be mean to a little old lady? He figured it out. Next time he was at a funeral, he came up to the little old ladies and said, don't worry, you're next. <laughs> they got the point, they got the point. No, I, I, I think that there are, there are times that, that, that we, we almost create this, this status of, yeah, you're, you're missing out. Uh, you know, you're not quite if you're this. And if you're this, here's the weird thing. If you actually read through 1 Corinthians 7, you might, you might actually be tempted to believe that there's a, a varsity and a junior varsity, but it's not going to be what you think it is. And don't, don't, as you read, it's not that Paul is saying, because it almost comes across like Paul's saying, if, if, you are, if you are single, that you're, you're the A team. If you're married, well, you just couldn't, you know, you couldn't control yourself, so you had to get married. That you might, if you read just at a surface level, that's my, what you get. That's not, that's not what he's saying at all. That's what he says in verse 7. He said, I want, I want all to be as, as, as I am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. What's he saying? He said there's, there's a gift of singleness, there's a gift of marriage. And I think that a lot of times we, by coveting another gift, can miss the gift that we've been given. And, 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 I, and singles, as I, as I talk, and even throughout this series, I, I'm not going to just be talking to married people or, or like if you don't have kids, just to people that have kids. I want to include all of us in this, but, but, but don't miss this. Though you might not like the season and you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose the season that you're in, do not miss the opportunities that God gives you in this season. Literally, whoever we are, it doesn't matter how old you are. I get tired of people saying, man, I'm retired and so God's through with me. No, he's not. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm handicapped or I, this happened and, and I can't get around like I used to. Okay. You just can't do what you used to. What, what, what is the opportunity in the season that he's given you? Paul says a singleness is a gift. And there, there are times that it, it truly is a gift. He says that marriage is a gift. And, and I, believe, I believe that it's a gift. I mean, it's, it's God himself has said in, in, in Genesis 2.18, God said it's not good for man to be alone. And guys, let's be honest, it's probably, it's probably true because like, Guys alone probably wear white socks with black, shoes, black pants. I mean, like, like we're, we, need, we need some sass advice, so at least find a good friend that you're hanging out with. Like, before, <laughs> before I got married, I, I literally, I got, I got married into my 20s, uh, and I honestly, my idea of a furnished house probably was, uh, you know, a leather, leather couch with uh, cup holders, you know. Back then, it was an Xbox with a surround sound, TV and a toilet. I mean, like literally, if that's, I had that, 
Life is good. Like if you had to move me when I was a single guy, you could have you taken a Prius, a Toyota Prius with some, with some straps, about 15 minutes and one guy to help me move and we'd have no problem whatsoever. But, 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 but here's the thing. What I found is that after I, I got married, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a beauty to marriage. In fact, I will tell you there, that marriage has revealed how desperately, desperately I need grace. Des- marriage has revealed, man, how far God has to, man, man, how, how much that God has yet to, to do in my life. I said that in the first service and somebody said amen really loudly. I'm like, that's not where you should say amen. But it's true. God has also showed, man, how, how, how I need to give grace. Listen, can I tell you that this singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. There, there, there are things that God teaches us in this, but Paul reminds us, whatever the case happens to be, that marriage is not the ultimate. And, and he says, as, as we continue to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and again, I'm not, I'm not hitting all of this because I want, I want you to read this. Check me for context. But if you look at verse 29, he says, he said, here's, here's what I mean, brothers. He said, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as if they had none. You're like, hold on a second. What is he saying? That does not say that if you're married, you can go to Vegas and live as if you're not married. Like, that's not what it's saying because that would contradict everything that Paul writes elsewhere about marriage. That would not be a holy symbol that, that shows God's, that Christ committed to the church. No, what he's saying, he, he actually clarifies this in, in verse 31 where he, says, where he says, the present form of this world is passing away. And what he's saying is don't make our temporary relationships what is most important. We live as if our relationship with Christ is important and everything else flows from that. Because this present world is passing away. Along with it, our temporary relationships. And what I can tell you is that our friendships and our, our, our dating lives and, and our, our married lives and, and our, our roles as parents and bosses, whatever our interaction, all of our relationships have to come under the lordship first of Christ because it touches on everything. You see, the ultimate and permanent relationship for all eternity is going to be Christ's relationship with his church, his bride, that's, that's you and me. Which means, and this is the thing I'm gonna end with, uh, and, and this is just kind of setting the, the stage for where we're going. Marriage is not the answer then to our deepest longing or the solution for our sin. Now, I, I want you to listen to me when I, when I say this. I've been... A pastor, it's hard to believe the, the lead pastor here at Grace for 11 years. I've been in some form of, of ministry for over, over 20 years. I've, ha- I've had some interesting conversations uh, across, uh, across the, the time. Actually, I bought into some, some false thinking myself. Here's what I've, I found out. When we put the weight of being a savior or redeemer on a spouse, a friend, or anybody else other than Jesus Christ, we have placed a weight on that person, first of all, that they didn't ask for and a weight that they cannot bear. I'm gonna take a step further. If you have a savior complex and you believe that you need to marry this person to rescue that person, you have actually crossed a line and you're not ready to get married. Your spouse, your husband, your wife does not need another mom or dad. They don't need a savior. The only savior you and I need is hung on a tree about 2,000 years ago. And there are times that, that you know, maybe we have some sexual sin and we're like, man, I, I want to get married because it's going to take away all the temptation. It's going to take away my porn habit and all that sort of thing. It is absolutely not true. 
A porn issue that is not repented of and submitted to the Lord before you get married is just gonna follow you into marriage. You might be able to walk away from it for a little bit. It manifests itself. The issue is not that your marriage is going to save you, is going to set you free. No, your marriage was intended to be a symbol. A symbol of Christ's commitment to you and me. And, and there, there are times that, that, that we make marriage something that it's not. And it's very important for us to understand to understand that marriage is not some spiritual, magical experience that deliver, delivers us from sin or temptation. No. Marriage points us back. We finally begin to understand if we're a, for a son or daughter of God, man, the significance of how, how Christ, Christ is all in on his bride, the church. I'm gonna tell you, if, you, if you've, Man, if, if you've been in a, in a relationship, in a family where, where there have been tests, where there's been, where there's been the, the struggle, there's, there's been contention, there's been disagreement, dysfunction, you understand that it's much easier to walk away than it is to stay locked in, to stay committed. Now listen, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about, we're, when we get into the sin aspect, Listen, there, there, are, there are some times, there are some times, again, we can't save another person. And if you, and I, I would say this, if you or your kids are being sexually abused, if they're, if they're in an unsafe situation, you need to get help. If you don't know where to start, come see me. I'll, I'll, I'll help in whatever way I can. But what, I, what, what I'm talking about, when there's this conflict, when there's disagreement, when there's misunderstanding, even, even when something terrible has happened. It's like, you know, it's just easier to walk away. Can I tell you that Christ has never walked away from his bride? You're like, well, you don't know my wife. You don't know the church. You look at the church's history ever since Jesus Christ died, the church has not been a perfect bride whatsoever. It's so interesting that all through scripture, God, he, he uses relational terminology to describe his interaction with us, whether it be father or, man, in the Old Testament and even here in the New Testament, he uses this idea of he is the groom and, 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 and his people are, are his, his bride. And he, he gives us this beautiful picture. In fact, man, one of the most beautiful pictures of this is found in, in this little book of, of Hosea, of the depths to which, man, a husband will not give up, will not give up, will not give up. That's God. And this whole thing of, of marriage, if you've been in a marriage, you, you, you feel that. And, and when you feel that, what, what you've got to know is even in our weaknesses, even when we respond as, in, in ways that we should not, when, when there, there have been things that have happened, literally, it's a reminder to look back, and, and I'm telling you, marriage is a deeper symbol of Christ's commitment. The, the, the cross is a beautiful thing, but when God want, said, I want you to understand Christ's commitment to you, his love for you, he used this symbol of marriage. In fact, Paul goes so far to say that marriage was instituted all those years ago before people fully understood it to be an analogy that gives us a picture of how much Christ loves his church. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna be talking about this. 
We're going to be digging in. And I promise you guys, this is, this is going to be a challenging time. I, I, I'll, usually when I go through these kind of series, I get the most interesting email. So please email me. I, I, like, I like hearing how God's challenging and, 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 and challenging you in, in your walk. Um, sometimes I get all kinds of crazy pushback like, oh, I don't know. Listen, I'm not asking you to, to believe me. Let's go to the word. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to go to the word. Let's see what God says about this. But I'm here to tell you that this beautiful thing when it comes to our relationships, understanding that they can be redeemed. They can be redeemed as God continues to change us. This is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. You see, Christ's lordship extends to every area of our lives, including our relationships. And so I, I would say this. This has, like, I'm, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna end here, like the, the main part of my message, and we're going to pick up. Next week, we're going to look at, at friendship, what, what Ephesians 4 says about this. We're going to dig in. If you want to start doing some, you know, work ahead, start, start reading. Read through Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. We're going to be spending a lot of time there. Um, I, I want to do something in, in closing, though. I'm, I'm actually going to go to meddling here, okay? I'm going to go to meddling, and what I mean by this is, um, can, I, can I real quick give us some, some advice um, as a church when it comes to breaking down some walls that exist between married people and singles? Can I, can I do that? Because I, I get asked a lot, hey, why don't you guys have more singles groups? And we do have, we have like an Oak Singles group. And I, listen, you gotta know, I'm all for that. We have all kinds of different groups. We have the mom to mom that's coming up. He talked about the uh, first Tuesday, I think he said of October. We've got, uh, we've got you know, uh, well, you know, we've had mobs. We've had all kinds of different groups that have to do with the season of life that we're in. But, but can I tell you that God has called us as, as, as a church family to not be known for uh, our demographic. We're actually sons and daughters. We're all family. And so what that means is, is while there are gonna be times that we do need to sit down and, and pray with and, and spend time with people that are in the same season of life as we are, I'm all for that. By and large, though, the, the family needs all of us to interact. There's, there's great health in, in our life groups when, it's, when, when you know, it's, it's just different people from different backgrounds in our Bible study groups and all of that. But can, well, here's, here's one thing I've learned. In singles, you can send me an email and tell me I'm way off, but I don't think I am. Um, singles need community, too. And there is no such thing in the family of God as a third wheel, a fifth wheel, a seventh wheel. Um, I, one, one thing I would love to see as a family is that, that, that we, don't, we, we don't draw these lines and divide based on our, our uh, relational status. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a widow, so I feel awkward being around. Listen, I get that there's pain. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is I, we need to have this as, as a church. Man, we are family. In fact, I would challenge you to, to find ways to, man, to invest in. And by the way, I'm going to really cross the line. Um, we don't need to be setting single people up on dates all the time. It gets weird after a while. Like, seriously, it, get, it, get, it gets weird. I know I'm mailing because I'm not getting any emails here. Um, it's, uh, it, God might give you that opportunity sometimes. If he does, great. But, but again, man, we need relationship before we need anything else. Start with relationships. Start with Start with being part of the family. You know, I get, I get asked, I've got a couple minutes here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit this. Uh, I, you know, I get asked, what are some things we can do? Well, I'm giving you that, man. Take, invite somebody over for, to your house, hang out, uh, you know, 
Don't have a life group of just married couples, maybe. I'm just giving you ideas. Um, but I, singles, I've, I've kind of been talking to Mary. Can I talk to you too? Um, don't, don't pull back from everything. You don't have to be a victim. Your, 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 your singleness is, is not something that disqualifies you. In fact, you are uniquely positioned. We need you in the family of God. Make a difference. Now, here's what I love, man. When, if, God, if, if you have been given the gift of singleness, don't feel pressure from culture. You have to get married to, 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 find, to find some status. Listen, if you've been given the gift of singleness, man, appreciate what you've been given. Enjoy what you've been given. If you're married, same thing. Now, like if you get married, I'll rejoice right along. That'll be awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll celebrate. But, but, I, but I think there are a few things that, that we miss. Sometimes we, uh, sometimes we just fail to find our identity in Christ. And so as we're, as we're going through this, my whole point for this series is to not, to not give weight to something that shouldn't be the ultimate weight. Our ultimate relationships, we start with Christ. We find our identity there. And from there, it gives value and meaning to everything we do because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, we do all everything to the glory of God. And God has put us in the season for a reason. And so I just want you to know as we go through this, I'm praying for this because you think it's hard to listen to. It's hard to stand up here and teach about this. But I'm praying that God challenges us, that he uses us, that as a family, he draws us closer together. I can't wait to see what God does over the next few weeks as we realize the significance and the value of what he's given us in relationships, but how they have to be touched first and foremost by the gospel. And so God, I want to thank you for the incredible analogy that you've given us of marriage. Thank you that, that it's not just simply this relationship. I think I'm going to try this. Let's, let's see how this goes. No, it's actually given to us as, as it's, it's a holy, sacred, gospel-centered symbol of of God, your commitment to your people, Christ's commitment to his church. And I'm praying that as we, as we look at friendships, as we look at, at, uh, at families and marriages and everything else from the perspective of your word, that we would submit ourselves to your lordship. To God, that in, instead of, of, of trying to, to find status or to find meaning in, in, in something that's temporary, that we would start first with what is eternal and let that touch everything else. And so, God, I, I pray for each marriage that is here. Would you breathe life into them? Dear God, if there are things that need to be addressed, I'm praying that in your grace and in your goodness, as we teach through the word, that it would address some of those, those things, those problems that exist in our marriages and that we would submit to the gospel. Dear God, I pray for, for those that might be divorced, widowed, single, whatever the, the, the status happens to be. You know, you know where we are. You know our season. Dear God, you know our hurt. You know, uh, you, you know the opportunities. And dear God, I pray that you would prove to be the healer, but you would also prove to be the, the giver of so many blessings as you continue to use us no matter where we find ourselves. And so God, I want to thank you for giving us the gifts of marriage, of friendships, of, of relationships. And Lord, I look forward to what we learn as we submit them to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, you're dismissed. We'll see you tonight at 5 p.m. Next Steps.